thank you guys for showing up. Thank you guys here in the studio audience and also those that are watching us live. Here at Executive Talk, we're gonna have a great conversation today and I think that you guys will be, um, once you guys hear this information, you guys will have an eye-opening experience. Because today what we're gonna talk about is opportunity in business. Would you guys feel like a, there's a lot of opportunities missed in business? Absolutely. And business owners at home, I know you guys feel the same way. When opportunities are missed in business, it can set you back quite a, quite a bit. But what are those opportunities that are being missed? We know about the opportunity when you miss a meeting. We know about the opportunity when you don't follow up. But what other opportunities out there are be, being missed? That's what we're actually going to talk about today. Now, I know that's a big word. I just, I just landed on opportunity, but we'll bridge that gap towards the end of this show, but is, today's topic is bridging the gap. And what gap are we actually bridging? Today with us, we have the Minority Business Center here located in Greenwood Village to actually talk about one of these opportunities that we are missing, one of the gaps that we need to bridge. And so today with us, we have Randy McCall, the Executive Director of the Minority Business Center. So without further ado, please help me in welcoming Randy McCall. How you doing, Randy? Good, good. All right. It's great to be here today. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I'm the director of the Minority Business Development Agency's Denver Business Center. Okay. Uh, we're operated by the Mountain Plains Minority Supplier Development Council. Okay. So there's a lot of minority stuff in there, as you can hear. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's, that's what we work on. So, um, well, actually, before you get into that, how did you start? Where did you, um, where did you run into this opportunity? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm a Colorado native, and I uh, worked in banking here in Denver okay. for the past 30 years. Uh, part of my career in banking or uh, um, job in banking was to be on boards of directors. One of those boards that I sat on was the Mountain Plains Minority Supplier Development Council board. Okay. So that's where I was first introduced to minority-owned companies and small business. And uh, after I left the banking world, I was fortunate enough to get this job with the Minority Business Center here in Denver. And uh, it's been a great uh, job. I've been here a little less than a year now. And I'm learning a lot about minority-owned companies and how they work and function here in the Denver area. Sure. Well, since you've been there, has it been a really eye-opening experience? Um, pretty much. There's just a lot of things that you learn about business in general and about minority companies specifically and how uh, they work through the contracting uh, areas here in Colorado. There's a lot of construction here in Colorado, so we have Absolutely. a lot of contracting opportunities. And so we'll talk a lot about that today. Uh, there's other opportunities in service businesses and those kind of things, but a lot of the uh, folks that we deal with are contractors and contracting opportunities, both with large corporations and with government entities. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into it. Talk to us about the background of the uh, Minority Business Center. How, when did you guys start and how, how did this even come about? Okay. Uh, well, the Minority Business Agency, first of all, is the only agency that's dedicated to serving minority-owned companies hmm. uh, in all of the government agencies. Um, and there's no <clears throat> cost to becoming a client of the Minority Business Development Center. Um, we do focus on businesses that are generally a million dollars in revenue or greater. Okay. However, we work with smaller businesses as well, especially if they're considered in what we call high-growth business areas. Okay. Uh, and that would be like green technology, um, energy, um, healthcare, infrastructure, and, and broadband technology. So... The agency was established, and I'm sure all of you have heard about executive orders recently, right? So uh, <laughs> President Nixon, back in 1971, signed an executive order. 
Presidents usually sign those when they can't get all the legislators to agree on what they want to do. So instead of going through that legislative process, they say, okay, we'll just sign an executive order. So this agency was created back in 1969. Okay. It was called the Minority Business Enterprise Office. And then in 1971, President Nixon signed another order that really started to provide technical assistance through the business centers like we have here today. Gotcha. Okay. And so I think it's actually important for us, since we're talking about executive, or, executive orders, what exactly does that execu executive order have in it? Um, and we'll come back to actually where you guys land as okay. well. So sure. talk to us about this executive order, though, okay. 11625. Yeah. The executive order basically has a phrase in it that I wanted to concentrate on today, and it's up here on the screen. It says, the opportunity for full participation in our free enterprise system by socially and economically disadvantaged persons is essential if we're to obtain social and economic justice for such persons and improve the functioning of our national economy. Hmm. So it talks about there our national economy especially, and small businesses, especially minority-owned businesses, add a lot to our economony. Absolutely. And um, we'll, we'll talk about that in the next slide, I believe, or the next couple slides. Absolutely. Um, we'll talk about how much that uh, really amounts to. Okay. And it's important that we actually build the story on this. So you guys have a lot of centers all across the United States. Is that correct? Right. So as I said, it, it created those centers. That second uh, executive order in 71 created the centers across the country. So you can see by the map here, there's 40 centers across the country, a lot of them on the East Coast and some on the West Coast, not a lot in the middle of the country here where we are. Right. So there's a pretty big area to cover. Um, the council who operates us covers Colorado, Nebraska, and most of Kansas. Okay. Um, all of Kansas, actually, and uh, part of Missouri. Um, but I can cover, actually, any state. Uh, I can have a client in Washington State or in Florida, in California, or in New Hampshire. Um, we don't really have any geographic boundaries with each of these centers, but they're kind of like my competitors across the country, so we're, we're all vying to get the best minority-owned companies to become our clients. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so if a minority-owned company was in South Carolina, per se, and they're moving to Colorado, would they contact you as well because they're part of the, part of the whole Yeah, center? Yeah, they okay. could contact me. Uh, they might already be a member of a minority business center that's okay. in that part of the country. And that, that's fine. Um, they can stay as a member there or they could change their, their client membership to us here in Denver. Uh, we could work together with that other agency or that other center to help them still um, do, what, do the business that they need to here in Colorado. Makes sense. So okay. we share clients back and forth Makes that sense. way. That's a good support system. That's good. So then talk to us about the, the, United, um, the U.S. minority business community and give us some statistics. So these are pretty amazing. Yeah, they really are. And, and you can see again here on the screen that it's over a trillion dollars in economic output that's generated by these uh, organizations, these minority businesses. A million, six million in jobs and additional 10 million jobs through economic activity. So you all hear about specific jobs that happen, but because of that activity, there's other jobs that are created as well. So that's talking about there. Uh, those businesses also hire more uh, minorities and they hire equally better than mi non-minority firms do. So non-minority firms hire a lot less minorities. A mi minority-owned company usually has a very good balance between minority and non-minority workers, which makes for a great diversity kind of environment. Absolutely. Um, also, those, gener those businesses uh, generate a lot of export activity, and so there's actually a lot more oh, okay. activity that's generated uh, to help our um, balance of trade um, with those businesses. Um, the last part there says, talks about the nation, 
and how we're not really capitalizing on all of those business opportunities. Right? So if there was parity, and we'll talk about disparity and parity in a minute, but if there was equal parity, there's evidence to show that we would create an additional 11.2 million jobs, 2.5 trillion in gross receipts, and another $100 billion in tax base that would help our economy if there was parity. So we'll talk a little bit about what those issues on parity are in a minute here. Okay, all right. So before we go into the next slide, I would like for, for, like for you to define for those, those that are watching and those for our studio audience, what exactly is defined as a minority-owned business? Because I okay. think a lot of people you know, get mixed up with that. Yeah, uh, for the purpose of the Minority Business Development Agency, they have a pretty strict definition of what that is. Okay. Okay? And it's really based on ethnic minorities. So the, the, or the ethnicities that are covered by the agency are American Indian, Alaskan Native, Asian, Asian Indian, Asian Pacific American, <laughs> African American, Hispanic American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islanders. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, also we should mention that women-owned businesses <clears throat> and veteran-owned businesses are not considered minorities for the purpose of the MBDA. Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> there are other agencies out there that consider them minorities or disadvantaged businesses, but not they couldn't be clients of the MBDA. We would still help them um, and refer them to another agency that could help them more than we could. Gotcha. All right. And I okay. hope that clears up any questions that anybody that's watching, um, what, that, what that means and who they support. So disparity studies, you had mentioned that earlier. What does that mean, and what are, what do the studies show? Okay. Yeah, so the Department of Commerce has created a fund that helps these agencies, and they created this fund, you know, they created these fund, this fund 50 years ago, but still there's a large difference or a disparity between how many contracts minority-owned companies get as compared to how many contracts non-minority-owned companies get. And that disparity, disparity means basically um, it's a noticeable difference. It's a difference that occurs usually because of inequality or unfairness. Okay, so there's been um, a study that was done by the, and if we can show this little booklet here, this was a study done by the Minority Business Development Agency called Contracting Barriers and Factors Affecting Minority Business Enterprises. And this is really a summation of a lot of disparity studies that were done. Um, across the country. And so the disparity study is a comparison that demonstrates whether or not some people have more rights or opportunities than others. Mm, okay? It. It, it helps to determine whether a process is fair and equitable to all parties that are seeking to participate. So that's what a disparity study does. Um, a quote from the foreword of this booklet that I just showed you talks about contracting barriers and factors affecting minority business enterprises. It states that the ability to win contracts is the barometer that measures the health of your business and determines whether you grow, stagnate, or fail. For America to build a healthy and inclusive economy, minority business enterprises, or MBEs, must have full and fair access to the complete range of local, state, and federal contracting opportunities that exist. However, disparity studies conducted by these government entities over the past 10 years tell a much different story. Um, so in this summary report, <clears throat> it, it shows that basically minorities typically obtain a lower number okay. of dollar value of contracts in proportion to the number of MBEs that are available. Gotcha. Well, that's uh, very clear. So now when you talk about contracting barriers, it goes a little bit deeper, right? And 
I think this is where, when we talk about opportunities, when we talk about growth of the business and we talk about fairness, I think this is where we run into a crossroads when it comes to those contracting barriers and, all those, uh, and also the disparity studies. So talk to us about in, in full detail about the contracting barriers and give us some examples of where those land. Okay. So, in, again, according to this study, there's three different kinds of disparities that happen. Uh, explicit discrimination, marketplace, marketplace discrimination, and then there's what we'll call resource constraints. Okay. Okay. So, in, in the explicit discrimination, we all know and believe that there are still stereotypes out there that exist. Um, we all know what a stereotype is. So, when we have an experience with a certain person and then we think everybody that's like that person has those same, mm -hmm. it's, it would be the same experience, yeah. right? And, and we can't do that if we're really going to um, help, especially minorities, to, to gain access to these contracts. Sure. Um, we have to build personal relationships with them and base our decisions on who we're going to have as subcontractors or contractors on those personal relationships that Absolutely. are built and not on a stereotype where we might think that one business or another is better than another based on something that's happened in the past. But those things still exist. We all know that we have them. And, and we act on them, sometimes un unconsciously, yeah. but sometimes consciously as well. Uh, and so there's also what's called prejudicial treatment okay. that's part of explicit discrimination. And again, it happens because usually you don't have a personal relationship with that contractor. And so you have a prejudice in your mind, and, and prejudice isn't always a bad word, but in this case it would be when we're talking about ethnic minorities. And we have, a, a, again, a stereotype in our mind that says... I'm not going to contract with that person or that ethnicity because I've had a bad experience or something like that. Sure. So it's a prejudicial treatment that happens. And a lot of times we're dealing with prime contractors that are mostly non-minority owned and they have uh, the good old boy network that still exists. And so they've done business with this uh, non-minority business for a long time. And it's very hard to break into that system. Sure. And so that's a, a big barrier that happens. On the marketplace discrimination, we talk about <clears throat> there's a stigma basically related to being an MBE, a minority business enterprise, or a disadvantaged business. And there are some businesses that don't want to have that stigma. And so they, they don't um, categorize themselves as that when they're applying for these opportunities. Oh, okay. They want to just apply just like anybody else, right? They don't want to have that stigma. They don't want to win the contract because they were... A minority, right? right? So there's that stigma out there, and, those, and so it's a barrier. There's also a large project size that, that discriminates basically against these businesses because most of them are very small, and they can't handle those large projects. So a lot of times if, a, if an organization understands that and they can break down those projects into smaller projects, then a lot of these businesses could uh, apply and, and win those. But when they have a large project size, it's very difficult for those businesses to win that. And the, the last one in the marketplace discrimination is what we'll call timely payments. Uh, and I was at a seminar just last week that talked about that. And you know, some businesses, some larger businesses, and I won't give any names here today, <laughs> but some of the larger businesses have really extended those tie payments out to, to between 90 and 180 days. And some of these smaller contractors don't have the cash flow to wait that long to get those payments. So timely payments is another issue, and again, it was talked about just this last week with cities, with large corporations, with um, departments of transportation, all those 
big organizations that don't have a real good system for getting those payments out in a timely manner. That's exactly it. And if you don't mind, if I chime in on that, think about it from an accounts receivable perspective. It's one thing to have one big, huge job. You're excited. You got the job. You, you won the award. Mm -hmm. You're finished with it. You put all this money up front. You paid all your guys. You got all the material. And then 90 days out, or maybe even 120, maybe 180, you're still waiting for that money. Now, what happens when that next job and the next opportunity comes up and you still want to function as a business because you have to keep on going and see where the opportunities land? Guess what? Your cash flow is poor just that quick. Your business is already, already behind the eight ball. So, that's, so if, um, for those that did not pick that up, it's based on that accounts receivable portion that really can set a, a business, business owner back. So right. thank you for bringing that point up. That's sure. huge. Sure. So the last part is really the resource constraints, and it, it goes right along with what we're talking about there. Access to capital, if they don't have capital or cash available, they, they can't sometimes get that next project. Um, networking access, so a lot of times people miss out on the fact of uh, sometimes these business deals are done on the golf course or in the bar on Friday night, some of those kind of things, and some of these businesses aren't invited to those meetings, mm. so they miss out on some of those opportunities. They don't have, they're not in the right network to get some of those things. And then the timely bid notification is, is as well difficult for a small business. So if a, a large corporation puts out a bid and they only allow three to four weeks or two weeks mm. for someone to respond to that bid, if you're a small business, you just don't have time to do, do that. So that's one of the things we do at the MBDA is we help them prepare those proposals and get them in in a timely manner and review them, some of those kind of things. So. Gotcha. Does that make a lot of sense for everybody? For everybody that's watching? True. That make, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are really agreeing with that. You guys are. <laughs> so talk to us about some. <laughs> talk to us a little bit further about some of the services offered by the MBDA because this is very important. That your your the support that you guys offer helps these business business uh, move through. So sure. talk to us about those categories and how okay. that looks. So access to capital is, is one of them. That really talks about the financing opportunity. So we don't actually have financing ourselves, but we connect you with banks or other lenders or sometimes venture capitalists that will give you financing to help uh, improve your business. Access to contracts is really about opportunity searches. So we have a large database and we can search opportunities for federal, lo local, state, and, and government opportunities. Access to markets talks about expansions to other states or other cities and we can help you do that as well as you expand your business. And then strategic business consulting basically includes anything from human resources to public, uh, public resources. So and we just help provide those resources to, to your business based on your needs. Okay. Um, so the strategic business uh, consulting, how often would you sit down with a business owner to help them get their business off the ground? Because do you find that some of these uh, minority-owned businesses aren't prepared to do business? We, we do find that. And we'll, our initial client intake will help us discover some of those things. And so we'll sit down with them. And usually it's a one to two hour conversation about how their business is doing. We look at their financial statements. We look at their um, organization, how it's put together, how many employees they have, what kind of work they've done in the past. And there's one, there's a couple particular things that we see is usually they don't have a very good website that's developed. And a lot of times good prime contractors are going to look at that website at the beginning and say, uh, these guys are not very well organized here. They haven't updated this thing for two years and, and some of those kind of things. So website is, is, is crucial. And also what we call a capability statement is very 
helpful for those businesses to have. And that's really a statement. It's kind of like a job resume that you would have hmm. of your business. So it talks about who the owners are, what kind of experience you have, and uh, what kind of projects you've worked on, some of those kind of things. Um, so those are the things we would put, uh, we would say are probably missing in a lot of cases are those capability statements and, and good websites to help those businesses grow. Gotcha. You know, one thing was uh, hilarious to me when I came into the office, <clears throat> um, they looked at my business card. And the first thing they did is looked at my email address and made sure <laughs> my email address did not have a gmail.com at the end of it. <laughs> so talk to us about that and <laughs> what, what do you guys see when you guys, when you guys make mention of that? Yeah, so we, we do see that a lot. And again, it, it tells a company that you're not as professional as you don't have your own office, you're working out of your home in some cases, usually means you're fairly small. And again, if they're looking at someone to do a major contract or a larger contract, it gives them an opinion or a stereotype of your business that these guys are probably not ready to do business with a big government agency or a corporation, hmm. large corporation. Gotcha. So it's just a, it's a, an indicator uh, not one of many indicators in some cases that would portray you in a in a bad light. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate them checking out my email address and making sure I was on point. So I appreciate. That. <laughs> so before we go to Randy's final thoughts here, I want to go to our studio audience and see if they have any questions for Randy and see if you can answer anything for them. Pretty much covered it. Uh, Actually, let's get and uh, and what's your name, sir? Uh, my name is Ken Ward. Okay, Ken. Yeah, you was talking about like a business start, and uh, you said they don't have enough capital to uh, do business. But do you help them get capital and the different things that they need to uh, do business with you? Yes, yes. So that's one of the things we do. Um, we help you to. Um, get in front of a lender if you are if your business is ready to be lent to lent to by a bank or financial institution. Um, if not, there are other nonprofit organizations that help as well. There's one called the Com Com Community Enterprise Fund, I believe it's called the Colorado, Colorado Enterprise Fund. Yeah. Colorado Enterprise Fund, Axion, uh, several other nonprofits that help um, you to get ready to do that kind of business. So they provide you. Uh, help in writing a business plan and getting that first little amount of capital that you need to get started with. Okay, yes. sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this man's ready to do business. <laughs> I have a question. And what's, um, your, what's your name? My right? name is Ann Albergati, okay. and I'm curious about how you help businesses find opportunities. Hmm. Okay, that's, that's another nice. good question. And so the Minority Business Development Agency uh, that runs these 40 business centers or that operates them, funds them, has a large database. And so that database consists of all federal government opportunities, state and local government opportunities, and sometimes municipal opportunities like the Regional Transportation District or, or those kind of things. And so we use what are called NAICS codes. And it, mm -hmm. I don't know what that stands for. I didn't write it down. <laughs> North American American Industrial. It's just National American International. It, anyway, it's a code, basically, that represents what your business does. So if, if you're a plumber or an electrician, there's a specific code for that. If you're a drywaller or a general contractor, there's a specific code for that. Or if you run a janitorial business or something like that, an IT 
consulting business, there are specific codes for that. So we use those codes, put them into our database, and it just automatically populates those opportunities for us. And so we can give you opportunities that have just happened. We can give you six months in advance, a year in advance. Sometimes those contracts are waiting out there for you to look at. So uh, it'll help you then build relationships with those agencies that are going to have that contract coming up. And uh, we can also help you start to prepare those proposals and make sure your business is ready at the time to, uh, to take advantage of that contracting opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Any more questions? Anybody? Just let me just say, just, I just wanted to um, <clears throat> make a comment to let you know that the Minority Business Development Agency is also a resource for some of the, the bigger construction companies and some of these other uh, agencies around what we say a resource. When they're looking for small businesses, right now the subcontracting opportunities are very, very uh, prevalent. And they are looking for the small businesses. And because of the type of businesses that we have, because they are uh, businesses that, that go, you know, that are, that are actually established, then we are also there for that. And we also have our business consultants that have a background to help you to do your proposals and things of that nature. So, like I said, we are very well not aware. We have knowledge, skills, and abilities. All right. <laughs> Thank well, you. Thank you. Well said. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Randy, we have a little bit of time left. What is your final thoughts? What do you want to tell the people watching and also our studio audience going forward about business? And what, what do you feel like you want to leave them with today? Well, um, I, I came up with four P's, okay? Four P's that you can, you can do to, to help your business grow and become viable uh, to compete with large corporate and large government contracts. Uh, I say they must be diligent in their preparation professional in their presentation, strategic in their partnerships, and capable in their participation. So you got to be capable. Uh, you you got you to look at your preparation, presentation, partnerships, and participation. I like that. The four Ps. You guys remember that. Now, here's Randy's uh, contact information. If you guys want to reach out to him, Randy McCall, email rmccall at denvermbdacenter.com. Phone number 720-458-1652. So thank you again, Randy, for that. I want, to go, I want to leave you guys with some final thoughts. I know right now in today's society, it's very easy to go straight to racism, and that's the reason why this show is here. It's not, that's not the point of this show. In the very beginning of this show, I mentioned opportunity. It's opportunity because, you know, the way the Lord looks at people, he looks at the hearts. And that's actually the same way we should operate with each other is from the heart. Yes, both sides of the fence, we have a responsibility. Minorities, we do have a responsibility to be prepared. That gmail.com account is cool for your friends. But in business, have to be prepared. It has to be real. We have to make sure all our stuff together and so we can have the right presentation to move forward. But the true opportunity is people to people. If there's an opportunity for another person to help somebody out and move somebody through and help that company, whoever, help that, you're helping that company, you're helping the contractor get that job done and vice versa. Everybody needs to move together. Blessings flow. But if we're not prepared, if we're looking at the skin, if we're looking at that, that's the only thing stopping us, well, blessings can't flow. Opportunities are missed. So we need to go beyond that and find out the heart of the person and figure out the business of that person and move from there. 
So that's really what the point of the show and everything that they said is absolutely real and look them up. You know, we have resources out here, but we didn't know about them before, but here they are. I want to make sure that you guys join us next time. Thank you guys for seeing us. But Randy and I, we actually have to get back to work. So you guys have a good day. Thank you, Randy.